0: Good morning. We're so glad to have you here this morning. Uh, It's an honor and a privilege uh, to stand before you today. And I just wanted to share, uh, before we get started, a couple of wonderful things happening here in the church. Did you know that last Sunday, on Easter Sunday, we baptized 15 people, and a great many of them were young people? Absolutely, and the joy does not stop there. Nine people gave their heart to Christ last week during the service. Over the last couple of months on Wednesday nights, we've seen our youth program uh, really kind of skyrocket and grow. Uh, We've had about 35 to 40 kids on Wednesday night uh, every week for the last couple of months. Many of them—well, thank you, Miss Sue— Many of them are new to church in general, and so uh, we just have so many wonderful things going on here at the church. I do want to mention again what Michaela said earlier about April 29th. We're partnering with a number of different churches for uh, the Convoy of Hope event at East Albemarle, and it is just going to be a wonderful time. So I encourage you, sign up, come hang out, see what it's all about, and uh, just Help us to be the hands and feet of the world, uh, uh, of Jesus to the world, amen? So we want you to come and take part in that with us. Our scripture passages this morning, uh, I'm doing something this morning that I was taught never to do in seminary. So do not tell Dr. Epiheimer, okay? I am, uh, I'm kind of joining together two different scripture passages and trying to make one cohesive point. So you'll be the judge of whether I was successful in that or not. But the first passage comes From the Gospel of John, chapter 20, beginning in verse 19, and the word says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were all in the house again, and Thomas was with them, and through the locked doors, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hand reach out your hand and put it in my side stop doubting and believe and thomas said to him my lord and my god and jesus told him because you have seen me you have believed blessed are those who have not yet seen and yet have believed the second passage comes from second corinthians And the word says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. Brothers and sisters, about the trouble we experienced in the province of Asia, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. For he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in prayer to the prayers of many. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray in this moment that you would empty me of myself. Father, you know that I am an unworthy vessel, but I pray, Lord, that you would use me to further your gospel and to further your kingdom. And I pray, Lord, that my dear friends this morning would not hear from me, but I pray that you speak directly from your mouth to their hearts. Father, help us to be who and what you have called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Friends, this morning I have the great pleasure of starting us on a new series that's called Of Two. We are not just a church to hurting people, we are a church of hurting people. But I want to share with you a secret that I shared with our prayer team this morning. The resurrection has still happened, amen? We are resurrection people. And as I sat down this week and prepared, I was called up in reminiscing of Easter services of the past that I had experienced as a child and growing up. I mentioned that we had had such a Holy Spirit-filled weekend last week. We had baptisms, beautiful music, an inspired message. We took our special collection of One Day to Feed the World. It was a beautiful, beautiful day. And I thought about all the special Easter's that I'd experienced as a child. When I was growing up, we would have these breakfasts early on Sunday morning at Easter. And two of my church heroes, do y'all remember church heroes that maybe have made an influence in your life? Two of mine, Bob Balcom and John Fur, <coughs> would make these yellow corn grits. It was so much different than what we normally have. One of the first sermons I ever wrote was when I was 15 for a sunrise service at my home church. For many years at our church in Concord at Westford, our youth would put together a large drama and would lead the sunrise service. Years ago, I was so proud of them as they did a sign language program to the David Crowder song, Oh, How He Loves Us. That song used to be the ringtone on my telephone, and some of you may be familiar with that. One of the videos that we used in that drama had scenes and depictions of the crucifixion with it. And as Eva Claire reminded us this morning, as David Crowder is singing, Oh, how he loves us, oh, how he loves us, the video shows Jesus being beaten. And shows him being flogged. It shows the scars that he encountered and that he endured. And I thought a lot about that this week and the pain that Jesus endured for us. I thought about what those scars really meant. What does Isaiah the prophet say? What does he mean when he says that he was pierced for our transgressions? And by his wounds, we are healed. I know the little pain that I have felt in my own life cannot compare with the pain that Jesus felt. When the disciple Thomas says that he will not believe until he can place his hands in the nail scars and the piercing in Jesus' side, Jesus obliges Those scars make a difference. Friends, pain is a part of life, and in fact, many of you ladies will tell us that pain is one of the first experiences in life. In childbirth, there is pain, a difficult experience, and unfortunately, that's not where pain ends in our lives. We deal with pain every day in some form or another. Some of you live in a constant state of physical pain. And that's hard for others to understand. Sometimes the pain that we endure is because of the result of our own poor choices. Sometimes it's the result of others' poor choices around us. And sometimes pain in life is just the result of sin being in the world in the circumstances that we are faced with. And the journey of our life makes up the experiences of who we are Experience is not what happens to you, it is what you do with what happens to you. And it is through that pain that we have some incredible stories and images of the context and the content of our lives. One of the things that I am reminded of this morning is that God does not hold our past against us, but the pain that we endure has the ability to mold us and to define us. I have not shared this with this particular congregation, but I thought that it applied in what we're talking about today. How many of you have any scars on your body that you can look at and remember where you were, how you earned them? Maybe you fell off your bicycle when you were a child, Maybe you fell off the monkey bars in elementary school. Maybe you had an asphalt burn playing basketball. One day I was working with some of my kids a few years ago and they noticed a a series of scars on my right leg. And when I was a freshman in high school, I played football for Concord High School. Some of y'all knew that. Many of you may not realize how big a deal that football is at Concord High School. But in May of that year, my first year in school, I was walking with one of my friends down to the weight room on a one-way road for after-school workouts. And we were walking on the road that leads down there, and as the school buses are filing out one at a time, we are walking on the right-hand side, and the school buses are shooting out behind us. Sometimes these school buses can be a little slow. And this one particular student at school was in a hurry to get somewhere. And so instead of waiting for all of the line and the parade of school buses, she tries to illegally pass the school buses on the right-hand side. There was only one thing standing in between her and getting around this series of school buses. If you guessed it, it was me. This girl was not driving a Geo Metro or a uh, dune buggy or some small type vehicle. This young lady was driving one of those big old Cadillac 22s from the 70s. This car looked like an ocean liner. The car hits me in the back, and I rolled up onto the hood and broke the windshield of her car. She is terrified and slams on brakes, and I fly into the gravel. When she let off the brakes, the car rolled forward, and my book bag got caught under the front bumper. The doctor would later tell me if my book bag had not caught under the bumper, I may not be here now talking to you. It was that close. I had to go to the hospital and my arms, my palms, and especially my legs were cut up and bruised. Talking about scars. Maybe you've never been hit in the back with a car before, but maybe some of you have outward signs of pain. Maybe you have scars and wounds that tell a story. You have events or people, moments in your life that you remember every time you see those scars. But one of the things I've come to understand is that for many folks, the scars that they endure the most are the ones that are unseen. They are the results of things that have happened to them in life. But I want to remind you this morning that every scar tells a story and every scar can be a testimony. Today I want to show you a passage from Scripture that helps us understand how the Apostle Paul dealt with the pain that he endured. It shows us his real life, his real hurt, and his real need to depend on God. Oftentimes when we read Scripture, we think of Peter, Paul, the Apostle John. We think of James. We think of all of these leaders, these heroes of the faith, and we look at them as almost as if they are superheroes and not human. Friends, that's not the case. They are real as you and I are, and they had a desperate need to depend on Jesus Christ the same way we do. Paul says, we don't want you to be uninformed about the hardships we suffered in Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, that we even despaired of life. He says, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened so we might not rely on ourselves, but to rely on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us, He says, on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Friends, I want to tell you, you have the power of Almighty God in your prayers. You have the power of Almighty God in your prayers. Do not hold those back. One of the things that I have tried to do, and sometimes just being completely transparent, I'm not that good at it. But if I tell you I'm going to pray for you, in the moment I try my best to stop at that time and do that. Because I know the human side of me, as much as I want to remember, I will get sidetracked and I will forget. Our prayers have power because they are direct communication with the Father. I think that's powerful. And I think there's a couple of things that you and I can take from that. I want to remind you this morning, as painful as it might be to hear, on our own, we cannot save our relationships On our own, we cannot save our children and grandchildren from the influences that they come across. On our own, we cannot change our own financial circumstances. And on our own, we may not be able to get over the grief of losing someone that we love. But we can rely on God. Paul says his grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient. Not my grace, not the church's grace, not the worship team's grace, but his grace. There's a couple of things I want to share with you briefly from this passage. Number one, life can be overwhelming. If there's anyone who has never been at some point in life completely overwhelmed, every one of us in that room can relate. We all connect with the concept that life is tough sometimes and we're not sure how we're going to make it. Paul not only feels like he is going to die, but he says in Scripture that he expects to die. Life has not turned out to be some huge, big adventure for Paul changing the world, but it's a time of great struggle simply just to get by. What were some of the things that he dealt with Excuse me, he was constantly being arrested, beaten, thrown out of town, shipwrecked. I thought about this this week. No wonder Paul had such a hard time finding friends to go with him on trips, amen? He's not taking the Royal Caribbean cruise, I'll tell you that. We all look to escape pain in our lives. None of us want to go through it. Paul was no different. He was afflicted at every turn. But also while he's afflicted, God was beside him at every turn. We all face incredible hurt and pain in life, and those things are not easy to deal with. But, and that's a big but, God never wastes a scar. What we need to understand is that although we might wish situations were different, God has allowed us to go through them so that he might be revealed in our life. So many people go through life mad at God and the hurt that God has allowed them to experience But God's desire is that we take the pain in our lives and we learn to grow through what we go through. The second part of this passage is that number two, God is faithful. God is faithful. God is faithful. faithful. Your family will let you down. Your friends will let you down. Most importantly, yourself will let you down with your doubts and thoughts and fears and worry. But God is still faithful. Paul says, in fact, we expected to die, but as a result, we stop relying on ourselves and learn to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us not only from mortal danger, but he will rescue us again. One of the greatest faults that I have in life, just being completely transparent, is that sometimes I forget the provision that God provided for me last week the next time a crisis situation comes up. Does that make sense? The human part of me fails to remember, though, God was with you before. You have made it through 100%. Of bad days with his help you have gotten through 100 percent of difficult seasons in life not because of what you have done but because of what he has done for you sometimes we only see our finite perspective when we really need to see God's perspective Maybe God's design for your life is not to take away the pain that you've endured, but to use what you have learned to minister into the lives of someone else. Some of you that have been through a broken relationship, a divorce, a separation, you can use that to help someone else, to comfort them. Those of you that have lost a parent or a grandparent or, bless God, those of you that have lost a child, you can use that experience to comfort someone else going through the same thing. Those of you that have had some kind of disease or infirmity and you have struggled with it, you can use that experience to comfort someone else going through the exact same thing. God does not waste a scar And finally, God wants our scars to tell a story. Later in this chapter, Paul says to the church, and you are helping us by praying for us. Then many people will give thanks because God has graciously answered so many prayers for our safety. We often think that the way that God can really be honored and glorified is if we are healed or if we simply learn to bury our scars and to never allow anyone to see our weakness. But Paul tells the Corinthian church that that is not the way. He says that their prayers encourage him, but they also allow others to hear his story, to hear his testimony. God is not only a God of healing, but he is a God of supporting. And God is honored when we recognize that he is the only one that enables us to get through the day. When our lives are devoted to and honestly rely on him, we realize that what is out of our control is under his control. God uses our scars to tell a story of his love and his faithfulness to others if you don't take anything away from this message today I encourage you to take this scars are not the finish lines of death they are the checkpoints of life one of the problems that I believe that we have in the Christian community is that we're afraid to talk about our scars we're afraid to be vulnerable We're afraid to be authentic. The church is not a showroom of perfect people. It is a body shop of repair for what's broken. Scars are not a sign of weakness. They are signs of survival. Jesus turned his own scars into a touch point so that others might see and feel the power and the presence of the Father. He told Thomas, put your hand here, look and see. The same scars that the Jews and the Romans thought would kill him and keep him down are the very things that God used to show his glory. You do not have to be ashamed of the scars that you've collected in life because you can use them to show what God has helped you through. You can get through this because God has been faithful in the past. Because of the pain that we endure we can empathize with others. He can give you assurance that you are not alone. Now at my age I may not have endured some of the things that you have but I guarantee you without a doubt someone else in the sanctuary probably has. When we form together the body of believers, God can use our scars to encourage someone else. Over the years, I have seen the Lord do some amazing things in my life, like softening my heart towards hurting people, giving a new understanding to me into questions that I had long ago thought were answered. He has brought people into my life who at the time needed in comfort and assurance. And by helping them, I was the one who was comforted in my own struggles. I'm beginning to understand that I believe God allows pain in our lives to remind us of his faithfulness and his security even when we don't feel very secure. So I ask you this question, what about you? You have scars in life, amen? You have pain and hurt, feelings that you don't understand, feelings that you don't like, ways in which you cope with those feelings and that pain that may not be the healthiest. What are we going to do about them? How are we going to allow them to shape us? There are three things that your scars can do. Number one, they can paralyze you. Number two, they can make you bitter. Or, lastly, they can strengthen you. Scars strengthen you when you embrace them, not when you ignore them. Paul would later go on to say, as God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. He says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. He says, we put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we command ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardship, in distress, having nothing, yet possessing everything. Friends, I want to tell you right now, you may look at your life and you might say, Bo, I don't have anything. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, you possess everything. His grace is sufficient for you, not just today, but tomorrow, next week, and next year. His grace is sufficient. Sometimes, friends, over the last year and a half that I've had health issues and job changes and different things that we've experienced, sometimes when the devil is eating at me, I will look in the mirror and I'll say, the gray and the silver in my beard, the lack of hair on top, I've never been a small guy, but that's another story. But I will look and I will say, my gosh, where has the time gone? 20 years has flashed just like that. And in a moment of discouragement, I will get down and I'll say, what have I accomplished? And in times of deep trouble... You might even say to yourself, what's the point? I've talked to people before that say, Bo, look at my failure, the disappointments, a broken marriage, the scars that I have that hurt, that show what I've endured and been through. I believe Paul would tell us today in the spirit of Christ that having nothing Yet we possess everything. Listen to me this morning. Your life matters. Your scars matter. Your experiences matter. Sometimes life gets in the way and we think we don't count. But I want to tell you, you count not because of your scars, but because of his. If you do not feel special or encouraged today, I ask you this morning to come and to place your finger in his hands. To place your finger in his side. To embrace those scars. To realize what Eva Claire said earlier that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Realize that he loves us and did it for us. And even though we struggle Even though we suffer, we are not alone. Christ is there with you. As we close this morning, if you are hurting, remember that Jesus was moved to the point of tears when Lazarus died because of his empathy. There is nothing that we endure or experience in this life that he has not already endured or experienced himself. If this morning you are struggling with health issues, there is a great physician. If you are struggling with family problems, remember that Jesus is the God of all comfort. He is the great encourager. As we close this morning and as the band comes back to the stage, I'm going to share one last story with you. Miss Debbie, will you put that picture up on the screen, please? It seems that there was a fellow from out of town who drove his car into a ditch out here in the country. Luckily, a local farmer came to help with his big strong horse, his horse was named Buddy. This is Buddy. Do y'all notice anything unusual about Buddy? He hits Buddy up to this car that had been broken down into the ditch. And to the man's surprise, the farmer yelled, pull, Nelly, pull! And Buddy didn't move an inch. And then the father, the farmer hollered even louder, pull, Buster, pull! But it didn't move again. Once more, the farmer commanded, Pull, Coco, pull! Pull! And then the farmer nonchalantly said, Pull, buddy, pull! And the horse easily dragged the car out of the ditch. Now, the driver was appreciative, but he was also very curious. And he asked the farmer, he said, Why did you call Buddy the wrong name three times? And the farmer said, Well, you see, friend, old Buddy is blind. And if he thought he was the only one pulling, he wouldn't even try. We are a lot like Buddy the Horse, amen? We don't like to do something if we think we're the only one pulling. If you need an example, how many of you have ever said, why should I pour my time and effort into the work of the church? Nobody sees it and somebody may not even care. Those of you that are still working, maybe you've thought before, Why should I put forth extra effort to do a good job at work? Nobody else does, and it's not even appreciated anyway. All of you, regardless of where you work, probably have that one person at work, and your response is, why should I be nice to them? He's certainly not going to make any effort to be nice to me. Like the horse, sometimes we feel like we're pulling blind. We're blind to what others are doing around us. We're blind even to what the Lord is doing around us. But if we feel like we're the only one doing what is right, I want to encourage you to keep going. To keep serving faithfully. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Over the last couple of months, with everything that's going on in the world, I have talked to so many people that feel like they are losing heart they look at me and say Bo I feel like I've just come to the end of my rope I've talked to people that say man I, I just want to give up I'm tired of fighting the good fight let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart I believe that most good decisions I've ever made in my life, relationship-wise, work-wise, ministry-wise, I've made while on my knees, either at this altar or at one that looks an awful lot like it. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you are hurting, or if you know someone that is hurting and want to pray for them, To come and join me this morning for strength, for comfort, for assurance. Sometimes you look at your scars and you say, I can't do any better than I'm trying to do right now. It doesn't seem good enough. Do not lose heart because you are not alone. Be an encourager, be a comforter. You may never know what your prayers might mean to someone else. Remember that God is still faithful. Through Christ's scars, Thomas believed. And if you are honest and vulnerable enough to show how God has worked through your scars, somebody else might believe. Wear them as a badge of honor of what God has done and is continuing to do for you. Embrace the scars. We are a church of hurting people to hurting people. But with that reminder, most importantly, friends, we are resurrection people. Amen? Amen. Come and join me. Amen.